So this is that moment, yes, where our children will follow Miss Shauna out. I'm going to invite you all to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. I'm sure that it was not evident through the songs that I'm more of a preacher than I am a singer. That went very subtly unnoticed, I'm sure. We continue this week um, looking through and thinking through how it is that we fulfill the mission that God has put before us. And so right from the beginning of the year, uh, we looked at Matthew chapter 28 and said uh, that our purpose as a church is going to be glorifying God as disciples of Jesus Christ, making disciples of Jesus everywhere. In Holdenville, in Oklahoma, the rest of the U.S., and anywhere else that God would take any one of us or all of us. And not that, uh, not that all people are solely our responsibility, but we are part of the Great Commission that says, go ye to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we go to any place and every place that we can, any place and every place that God leads, uh, and trust that those whom he's others whom he's called to that task will go and are going likewise. Um, but not putting boundaries on where he may call us or you or me in that process. Glorifying God as disciples of Jesus Christ, making disciples of Jesus everywhere. And the glorifying God part begins with knowing God. And so we looked at Romans 1 and we said we have to know who God is and what he's like. Uh, in order to glorify him, he is where the gospel begins. And that we don't understand the gospel without understanding God himself. Because he is the writer of that story. He is the hero of that story. He's in the middle and all around and all through the gospel is God and his character and his purpose. So we said that we've got to know God and we've got to know the gospel. What is that gospel then? Uh, and here's what we have to be careful of. Um, there's a pastor down in the Dallas, Texas area named Matt Chandler. Uh, leads a church called the Village Church. Uh, he wrote a book called The Explicit Gospel, calling out within the church, especially, I think, right now, uh, the kind of the popularity of using this term, gospel, and said, uh, he said, we rightly, rightfully hang our hat on that, but we can, we can get so used to saying the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. We're saved through the gospel. We share the gospel. We sing about the gospel. We preach the gospel to ourselves. We talk about it all the time, and yet somehow we just assume that everybody knows what we're talking about and that we all understand the gospel the same. What he's saying is sometimes we have to be explicit about it. Not that it's explicit like language in bad music, okay? But explicit, like we state specifically what the gospel is. And so it's important then that we know the gospel. So we spent a week out of Romans, yeah, a week out of Romans chapter 3, saying this is the gospel. We have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of God. Excuse me, i got to slow down a little bit. I'm getting all tied up. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace through faith in Jesus. 
that it was the death of Jesus in our place, his resurrection from the dead, God putting his stamp of approval, this is my son whom I sent. I raised him back from the dead to show that. And he's alive now, 2,000 years later, will continue to be forever, sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus is our Savior. He paid the price for our sins. He bought us. He ransomed us from our penalty so that as trusting him, through faith in him, not only do we believe that that was true, but we believe it to the extent that we do something about it. We surrender our life. My life is yours and God saves us. He declares us not guilty from our sins, even though we are, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, the gospel. And then last week we looked at seeing that applied through the rich young man as he came uh, to Jesus and says, how do, I, how do I go to heaven? How do I be saved? Jesus says, well, first of all, keep all these commandments. And he said, man, I've done that. I've done that since I was a kid. He said, okay, how about this? You're a man of great wealth. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And what he was revealing in that moment was even the Ten Commandments that God has given, the five that Jesus specifically named, yeah, I've done them. Jesus said, okay, how about the first one? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You got a lot of stuff? And as I ask you to go and sell it and give everything to the poor, what you are revealing and walking away sad and not doing it is that you love your stuff more than me. Your stuff has you and you worship that because you're not willing to give it up to come and follow me. So it's not through works. It's through trusting Jesus that he is who he says he is and that he has done, will do what he says that he will do and leaving all else for the sake of following him. The gospel is at work in that moment. He decided, no, Jesus, I don't believe that you're the savior of the world. I don't believe that you hold all good things and that all good things come from you, that I don't need this stuff more than I need you. I actually believe that I need that more than I need you. So I'm going to walk away sad because I'm not willing to part with my stuff to come and follow you. The gospel was at play. So today we're going to look at this idea of going with the gospel then. So we know God, we know the gospel, but it's not just enough for us to know it and keep it and have it for ourselves and our, our self to be settled, justified, declared not guilty, made right with God, but we need to go with it. That's the call for Matthew 28. Go ye therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, but it's more than just there. And so I want to look at that in Romans chapter 10. This is the way that I, I have thought of this. Uh, I think I've said this before. I like watching Shark Tank. Just out of curiosity, anybody with me on that? Shark Tank? A few of you. It's entertaining. Um, one of the things that happens on there from time to time, somebody will have a good business or especially a good product. And it's kind of, it's new, it's revolutionary, it solves a problem uh, that is, is real, uh, that's needed. They're probably maybe going to, could make some money by the product or the service that they have. Uh, the trouble is, in some cases, there's a hurdle. And, and that hurdle is educating you and I that we need that thing. So we have to be convinced that there's a problem 
that we have that needs solved by this product and that this product or this service solves that problem. And so a lot of times in these specific instances, the sharks will say, um, listen, that's going to take to really make some money on this deal. It's going to take a lot of education to get people to realize what you're trying to do, how this thing helps, the problem that is there to begin with. Uh, and, and it's going to take a lot of time and money to educate everybody on the fact of this product. And I'm just not willing to take that ride with you, so I'm out. Our commission is not a product, it's not a service, it's not a gimmick. It is a message that solves a problem, a need that every single person has. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The gospel is the answer to that. You and I are, are in the middle of a commission to go and make that known to everybody. And it takes educating people on what the problem is and what the solution is. And sometimes they don't realize the problem. So we take this message, the gospel, that God is perfect, great, good, that man is created to glorify him. And instead of doing that, we'd rather glorify ourselves and do what we want to do. And so we fall short of God's glory because we'd rather worship us than worship him. That we therefore earn guilt and consequence from God. We talk about, eh, he's here. We talk about consequence at our house a lot. You have the choice. The choice is up to you. And you have consequences for your choices. Some of those consequences are good. Some of those consequences, not. Usually, the not-so-good consequences get more attention. The good consequences a lot of times go unnoticed. But, but our choices have consequences. That's, that's the sin. You can choose to worship you, or you can choose to worship God. Naturally, you're going to worship you. And there's a consequence for that. Failing to worship God for who he is in his perfection, in his goodness, in his greatness, brings grave consequence. Eternal consequence. And yet, and God is right and just for bringing those consequences. It's, it's just. And he would be a terrible judge to not do that, to let guilty go innocent or to go free, rather than bringing the consequence that we deserve. And yet, he made a plan both to be just and to let us who are guilty go unpunished by punishing somebody else for us and then giving his reward to us who don't deserve it. That's the problem. That's the message. Jesus died, was raised again for our sins so that we could be declared not guilty if we would trust him, that we can't fix ourselves and that he can. That's the message. So let's look at Romans 10, starting in verse 11, and see what do we do with that other than trust it. So we trust it first. Romans 10, verse 11. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him, who trusts Jesus, will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Let me just clarify. When it says there's no distinction between Jew and, Gen or Jew and Greek, that means everybody. 
Jews or non-Jews. In this time, it was Jews or Greeks. That's everybody. So there's no distinction. The same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who would call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then? How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith, faith in Jesus, comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Hearing through the message of Christ. Hearing through the gospel, which Jesus is the central part of the story. We're going to focus in on today going with the gospel because of the truths that are laid out for us in the scriptures here. And just by way of kind of prefacing this, we have to say, we have to be careful not to make ourselves important, the most important in this story, in this task, as if to say that God couldn't accomplish this without us. Okay, we have to be careful of that. To say that God needs us to go and share. God doesn't need us. Okay, can you, are you, are you tracking with me yet? Why does God not need us? Because he's God over the universe. Because he created everything out of nothing. It wasn't like, I shared this with some students yesterday at a D-Now. Uh, it wasn't like he pulled some Play-Doh out of a can and he molded it and and shaped it and made the world. When God spoke the world into being, there was nothing that existed. There were no cells, there were no molecules, there were no elements, there were no planets, there wasn't light to be made brighter or dimmer. Like there was nothing, literally nothing. You can't, I challenge you, you can't go as you're laying in bed at night and imagine nothing. You are not capable of it. Because everything that we know is something. Even empty void with darkness is something. It's an empty void with darkness. Darkness is a thing that was created by God. Voids are space, space and time created by God. So the God who did all of that just by his word, you're saying that he can't proclaim a message to people that they need to hear? Absolutely he could. That's well within his ability. And yet he said to you and me, a message has come to you from me. I'm telling you, you take that message out. You go, Jesus, I've given the message to you. I communicated to you, John 17, exactly what God told me to communicate. And now, Matthew 28, I'm sending you out to go and tell everybody what I've told you. And not only do you teach them, you teach them to obey everything that I've told you. God could do it without us, and yet he's made us part of the plan to get the gospel out. And we're called to be obedient to that. That's exactly where we find ourselves. The first thing that we see in these verses, faith in Jesus comes only through the gospel. And that's what verse 17 shows us. So faith comes from hearing. Faith in Jesus comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. 
earlier in verse 12, he says, For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches. His riches are forgiveness of sin, eternity with him in his presence. He bestows that on who? All who call on him. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it is by saying, Jesus, I believe, I trust you. I trust that God sent you. I trust that you died for me in my place. And I trust that there's nothing that I can do to make up. God, I need you to fix what I've broken. And I trust that you can do that through Jesus. All who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the only way. Faith in Jesus. John 14, 6. You've, most of you have heard it. Maybe if you haven't, Jesus said specifically, I, Jesus, am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's no way to get to God. There's no way to please God. There's no way to make up for the void that your sin creates between you and God except through Jesus. He's the truth. There's nothing else that's true. He is life. Meaning he brings meaning to life now and brings eternal life after. There's no other way to be saved except through Jesus. That's not only true for us in this room right now. That's true for every human being around the world. This is the big deal with us praying for the nations. Why do we, do, why do we take time in this service? An hour 15 ish, depending on how long I go. Why do we take time out of that hour and 15 to pray for the nations? Many times nations that don't have, that have very few Christians in them, very little gospel witness. Why? Because we're told that the only way to salvation is through faith in Jesus. And it's a necessity that that message gets out there. God has called anybody who's placed their faith in Jesus to be part of getting that message out in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And so we pray that God would send people to places that people don't have a witness whatsoever. Because if they live and die never hearing the name of Jesus, never knowing their sins before a perfect and holy God, never knowing that God made a way to save them from that, live and die, never hearing that, they will, they will spend eternity apart from God. Period. Ifs, ands, or buts. None. You say, that's a hard message. It's necessitated by God's character. If God is perfect and holy, and if He deserves all worship, if He is good, He deserves that recognition. And when we fail that, we deserve, depart from me. I didn't know you. And yet he made a way to make up for all of that through sending Jesus. And he said, listen, you guys, it's your task to go and tell people. So is it any less difficult for us to think about God sending somebody to eternity apart from him, hell, without ever hearing the name of Jesus? Is it, is it equally as hard for us to hear, have we failed them? Were they born 
and died in a place where they didn't hear the gospel because we've failed to take the gospel to where they live? That's on us. If you're sitting in this room and you've placed your faith in Christ, we've all been called to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth with the gospel. God has made a way for us to share with them the good news. Why don't they have it yet? Why haven't we taken it to them yet? Your temptation is, especially as you read this passage, how will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Your temptation as you hear that is to say, that excludes me. Because God hasn't called me to go and preach to them. Actually, he has. Actually, see, so you get thrown off by the word preach. And maybe, I'm guessing, I'm just, I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit, okay? Maybe you would say, you look at what's happening right now and you say, I could never do that, what I'm doing. I could never stand up in front of a bunch of people or sit down in front of a bunch of people and preach to them. God just hasn't given me that ability. He hasn't gifted me that way. He hasn't called me that way. I'm with you on that. It's not, it's not easy. It's not nerve-wracking. I'm not here to tell you that this is what you should be doing. I'm here to tell you, if you found new life in Jesus, you tell people. If he's come, and through faith in him, he's transformed your life, then your job is to go and tell people. The word that's used here is preach, but it doesn't mean preach like we think of preach. It means share with people what Jesus has done. I want to take a few minutes and go and look at a few instances. Go with me to Mark chapter 1. I don't do this very often, but I think this is important enough that we all see it. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to be in verse 40. Uh, that can't be right. Oh, I'm in the wrong bit. Mark chapter 1. Mark is after Matthew. Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. It says, and a leper, meaning somebody with a skin disease, came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, if you can make me clean, Jesus, if you can heal me. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. 
and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in a desolate places, out in desolate places, and people were com- coming to him from every quarter. Now, Look past for a moment the idea that Jesus said, don't go and tell anybody. Keep this to yourself, okay? It was just for this guy in this time, in this moment. What I want you to see is what he does. He comes to Jesus, says, I have a problem. I think you have the solution. If you would, heal me. I know that you can do it. I trust that you can do it. If anybody can do it, I trust that you can do it. Would you do it? And he says, heal me. Jesus said, I will, and he heals the man. Life turned upside down in that moment. And Jesus said, don't go share this with everybody. What does the man do? He goes and shares freely about it to spread the news. This word right here that talks about him sharing freely is the same word that's used in Romans 10 that says that how are they to hear unless somebody preaches and how are somebody to preach unless they are sent? The picture right here is not somebody standing up in front of a crowd and delivering a message, but somebody whose life has been changed by Jesus, simply sharing with the people that he comes in contact with that his life was changed by Jesus. Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 5. I just want to make sure that we, we see this. These are not seminary trained people it's not people who went and got a degree in studying the Bible or anything like that. By the way, that's all well and good. I'm not demeaning that. I did that. I'm all for it. I'm just saying the command that Jesus gives us in Romans 10 doesn't require that. Look at Mark chapter 5 and verse 16. Jesus just healed a demon-possessed man. It's the story where um, there's a guy that has a legion of demons and when they talk to Jesus. They say, we, they use the plural, we. So this guy's possessed by multiple demons. When Jesus casts them out, he casts them out into a herd of pigs. And then that herd of pigs runs down the hill, falls off a cliff. Okay. And that's where we catch the story in verse 16, Mark chapter five. And those who had seen it described to them, other people, what had happened to the demon possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Jesus, let me go with you. You you fixed me. Let me come with you. Jesus did not permit him, but said, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim. He began to preach to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Okay, one more instance of Jesus coming to a person who had an issue that only Jesus could fix. He was hopeless in and of himself to rid himself of these demons that had possessed him. Another conversation for another day. Encounters Jesus, says, Jesus, fix me. Jesus does. And then he says, go and tell people. And the guy went and told people. This is what Jesus has done for me. Man, I was, you guys saw me. I was messed up. I was crazy. 
I was nuts. No, none of you wanted to come around me. None of you wanted to even know that you knew me or other people to know that you knew me. You were scared of me, and yet Jesus came and he fixed all of that. Look, I'm completely different than I was then. And all he did was say, this is who I was. This is how I encountered Jesus. This is who he's made me. And he told everybody that he came in contact with. All right, let's look at Mark chapter 7, last one. Mark chapter 7, 31, verse 31. Jesus heals a deaf man. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and who had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. Time out for a second. <laughs> Jesus spits and he touches the guy's tongue. Like Jesus shares his spit with this guy who can't talk. Just, it's, it's a little bit strange. Uh, but I imagine if you were mute, you couldn't speak. Listen, Jesus, if you're going to spit and put it on my tongue, then if that fixes things, listen, whatever works. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. Jesus, I don't care that you just spit in my mouth because now I can tell you that, I, that you fixed me. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. The more zealously that they went and told people what Jesus had done for them. That they had an infirmity that they could not fix on their own. That Jesus encountered them. He encountered them however it worked. Jesus healed them. He fixed what was broken. And now they went and shared it. This is the problem that I had. This is how Jesus fixed it. This is who I am now. You can hear me speak. I can hear you speak. I was mute. Now I'm not. I was deaf. Now I'm not. Jesus fixed me. They went and shared with everybody, even though Jesus said, don't do it, guys. Don't go and share it. I don't want everybody knowing this. That's another conversation. But they went and preached. Didn't go to seminary. Didn't feel a specific call from God. All they knew was, I was broken. Jesus fixed me. This is crazy. I got to tell people. They need to hear it. So guys, we come to Romans 10. Everybody's in this boat. How are they going to believe if they don't hear? How are they going to hear somebody doesn't go and tell them? What we don't need is a whole bunch of Baptist preachers to go overseas and tell them. We need people whose lives were broken, who had no hope of fixing themselves, who encountered Jesus, who were changed from the inside out through trusting him, and who are completely different now, made new, made whole. He's saying, how are they going to hear if those people don't go and tell them? So if you're sitting here right now and you are those people, yes, there are people around us in Holdenville, Oklahoma, that need to hear the gospel. 
My question is, how many of us does it take to tell them? How many more does that free up to go to the Saudi Arabias and the Iraqs and the Bangladeshes and the Myanmars and the whatever other countries that we can name off? How many of us are freed up to go and share freely the good news that people need to hear so that they aren't born and die without ever hearing the gospel? Because if they don't hear it, they cannot believe in it. If they don't hear the name of Jesus, they can't believe on him. We're called to go. I'm not saying this. I'm saying this in the moment. Sandy hasn't heard me say this. I'm not leaving myself out of this. I'm your pastor. From now until God tells me otherwise. And I hope that's a long time. But what about the possibility that he calls us to go? I'm not, I'm not giving up on that. I'm not saying that's not a possibility. I'm saying all of us are in the same boat. You don't have to be a preacher like me. We do. God has chosen to get his message out through us. So the fact that there are people that live and die never hearing the gospel is, is on us to the extent that we haven't been obedient to go. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know if that looks like a short-term deal. I don't know if it looks like taking your life and your family and planting it overseas. Here's what I do know. If you're retired and you're still able, physically able, by, I mean, you're in one of the best spots in life to be able to do this. You don't have kids in school. You don't have a job that's tying you down. You could freely, with your entire life, pick up and move somewhere that doesn't have a gospel witness right now and share what Jesus has done in you. That doesn't mean that the retired people in here are the only ones. All of us, if our faith is in Jesus, are called to go somewhere to people to share with them. What are we doing? Are, are you, am I, the question is, are we engaged in that? If it's here, then so be it. Do it. Share the gospel freely right here in Holdenville. Every day. I don't care if it's the cashier at Jay Weezy's. Maybe the person who checks you out at Save-A-Lot. Hopefully it's not Angela because I think she's solid in her faith. But she would still appreciate your encouragement. Wherever it is, whoever's around you, listen, do you feel like your life is broken? Do you feel like there's something off something missing yeah i kind of can't get away from that sweet me neither let me tell you who fixed my life and how he could do the same thing for you because here's the deal whether it's in holdenville or across the world eternity hangs in the balance now are people is god going to let people perish that he is called to salvation no He's going to make sure that the, the word gets to them. 
The question is, are you and I going to be disobedient in the process or obedient? That's the question. God is still God. He is going to do what he's going to do. Are we going to sit by and watch him do it? Or are we going to obediently engage in what he's called us to? It's better for us to obediently engage in what he's called us to. If our faith is in Jesus, listen, if God is saying, pick up and move your family to Myanmar, you may have no idea what that looks like. You may have no idea the struggle that it could bring. You know you're probably, I'm guessing, comfortable here. You know this, you've been here, you know what life looks like. And yet, for you to go as called and engage as called, regardless of what that looks like, you will be better off to be in the center of God's will and call on your life than you will be to be very comfortable here where you're at. It's hard for us to see the difference between those two things. He has called us to tell them. They need to hear whoever they is, anybody. We have the gospel I hope, I pray, you have the gospel. Who are you telling? Who will you go to? And beg as you share, God, help them believe. Listen, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus, if you still are like the deaf man or the blind man, that's the first thing. You've got to get over that first. That's the hurdle. That's an urgent need for you in this moment. You need to trust Jesus. He laid down his life for your sins. God raised him from the dead so you would know he laid down your life, his life for your sins. There's no other way for you to fix that problem. Jesus is the only way. You could try to do a whole bunch of stuff, but you're never going to get over it. There's an urgency in that. Not a wait till you get home. You don't have to talk to me about it. There's nothing magical about me. I'm just a dude well, like half of you. Some of you aren't dudes, but that's... Anyway, I'm a person like all of you. But that needs to get settled first. Then who are you telling? Where is he calling you to go? Don't just assume that because you're here, this is where he wants to leave you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your challenge to us. God, and somehow help us to realize that our uncomfortability in sharing the gospel, our uncomfortability in going, if we would listen, if we would obey, will turn out far better for us into far more enjoyment for us than if we stay comfortable and bottled up where we're at. God, help us to trust that that's true. Help us in our unbelief to walk that out as you've called. God, and for the person that's sitting here in this room right now that knows they've not trusted you in faith, 
that have never come before you and called on you to say, God, I realize that I can't fix this problem, that apart from you, there's no hope, but would you fix me? Would you overcome my sin? Would you change me from the inside out? God, may they right now, may that be their confession. May they urgently respond to that call, trust me from Jesus. God, may you be God in this place. You are God of all things. May our lives show that. May we walk in obedience. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.